0: What do we do with Jesus? The ultimate question each and every one of us must answer. We'll continue our series, Ultimate Question, today on Graceful Truth with Pastor Steve Converse. From Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City, hello and welcome to Graceful Truth with our teacher and pastor Steve Converse. The ultimate question each and every one of us must answer, what shall I do with Jesus who is called Christ? It's found here in Matthew chapter 27 verse 22. The perfection of Christ that he is loving and holy and the trial before Pilate all point to this one question, a question that each and every one of us must face at one point in our lives. What shall we do with Jesus who is called Christ? Join us for today's broadcast of Graceful Truth. Here's Pastor Steve Converse.
1: Neither Caiaphas nor Annas nor the Sanhedrin, the false witnesses, all the people that have come up to testify of Christ, Judas and Herod, Pilate, none of them can bring one accusation against him. So the record stands that he was killed because he was hated and rejected. What killed Jesus Christ was... The evilness that dwells within man's hearts. That's the, the setting in which we find ourselves in. First of all, I want you to look at the, the confusion here that Pilate has when he begins to question Jesus in verse 11. He says, Now Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? He wanted to know, are you really a king? Why? Because that's a legitimate charge. If you're setting up a kingdom, and we're the Romans, and we rule this area, well, then you got problems. And that's what the Jews were trying to concoct. They were trying to come up with a way where the Romans could see, this guy's a threat to you guys. Now, Matthew doesn't show us all the questioning that goes on. The Gospel of John does, though. So turn over to the Gospel of John in verse 18. Because we see this confusion kind of play out here in John's commentary of what happened. John 18, verse 28. It says... Then they led Jesus from the house of Caiaphas, that's what we just learned, to the governor's headquarters. It was early morning. Imagine it, probably four or five o'clock. Remember, the, the cock crow time was two, three that time, and that all happened. And so it's, it's early in the morning. Jesus had, had a long Thursday, but he also had a long Thursday night, and into the wee hours of Friday, they themselves did not enter the governor's headquarters. You see here the pious religiosity that these people possess. They're here to find fault with a man who has no fault, their Messiah, and they're trying to figure out a way to execute him without any any legal finding against him. And you see their their hypocrisy and their phoniness just kind of leak out here. You know, they're taking them over to pilot. Oh, the religious leaders go, oh, we can't go in there. We'll defile ourselves. We're holy men of God. You know, that's what legalism's like. It doesn't make sense. You can talk to someone who holds a legalistic mentality and they'll, you know, chew your ear about something that's purely an opinion. There's nothing in the Scripture based one way or the other on whatever you might be talking about. They'll just think, oh, no, I'm right, you're wrong, blah, blah, blah. And, and then you look at their life and you find major violations of principles that are laid down in Scripture, and you bring them up to their attention and their their attitude. Oh, judge not lest you be judged, brother. They don't want to deal with their own, you know, two-by-four that's hanging out of their eye. And that's exactly what was going on here. Jesus was led to Pilate's judgment hall, but they wouldn't go in because... The place of the heathens, the place of the, the secular government was, was a place of uncleanliness in their mind. They didn't want to, to go there. The Talmud actually states that the dwelling places of the heathen are unclean because of the heathen practicing burying their abortions in their houses. Really odd practice. And so the Jewish mindset would have nothing to do with them. And so remember, it's the Passover season. They have to maintain their holiness here. They had to maintain the religi- religiosity and the, and the guise of all their holiness. And so they didn't want to just march right into a Gentile place. And you look at the confusion here. Because the Jews wouldn't go into the judgment hall, that meant Pilate had to come out. And verse 29 tells us there, So Pilate went outside to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? In other words, you're here... In a legal court, you've called me, you've got me up this early in the morning, you've brought this man before me, what is the problem? What's the issue? What's the indictment? He needed to know what Jesus was being tried for. I mean, that's the first thing that happens in any legal proceedings, right? Someone gets arrested, and then you go and you have a kind of a a pre-trial hearing. You're there before the judge and the, 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 the prosecutors present the findings. Well, this guy was driving under the influence of alcohol and killed three people. And so here's why we're here today. They, they present some kind of finding. You can't just arrest somebody and put them before a judge. And they say, why is he here? And the, I don't know. That wouldn't be a good answer. Now, I want you to understand the, the history here of how this Roman government worked. Pilate was a Roman governor. He had been placed in this... Palestinian area as the Roman ruler. But he wasn't the only ruler. Herod Antipas ruled in Galilee and in Perea to the north. Herod Philip ruled to the northeast in a much less populated area. Herod Archelaus ruled in Judea and Samaria. And these were all three sons of Herod the Great who was once king of all of Palestine. And he killed off some of his sons. (laughs) Didn't agree with him. But the remaining ones he gave certain parts of the kingdom to. And so there were nothing, really, these these people we're speaking about here were nothing other than just small-time kings. They weren't the big kahuna. They were just kind of little government officials. And usually in the area in which they ruled, they, they liked to celebrate a lot of pomps and a lot of circumstances because they wanted the people to think that they were really bigger than they were in the Roman government, where they really weren't. Much of these rulers really went right back to Rome, and, and if they said, nope, you're doing a bad job, off with your head, it was off with your head. They had no recourse. Well, the rule of Pilate, in this process that began, it re- really resides in the, the hands of the Roman governor. And he had been placed there to maintain peace in the Roman section in which they're ruling. He had been governor since A.D. 26. And he served about 10 years. And since the Romans, as I said earlier, held the right to execution, it was very important that they approach Pilate and get him on their side. Jesus had to be executed by the Romans. Not only because of the, the way it was, but that's the way it was to be prophesied as well. So he held this court outside there, outside the judgment hall. Jesus was probably still inside there, but the leaders remained outside. And you see the the confusion here in his questioning. He says, what accusation do you find? And they answered him, if this man were not doing evil, we would not have delivered him over to you. Do you hear the the pride in their... You know, who do you think you are, Pilate, questioning our logic here? You think we'd bring an innocent man before you? Clearly he's done some things wrong. And all Pilate wants to know is, okay, I get that, what? (laughs) What charge do you find against this man? Because if there's no charge, Pilate can't do anything. And so it goes on there in, 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 in John 18, and it says, Pilate said to them, take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. In other words, if you're not going to bring an indictment, I can't do anything for you. And the Jews said to him, is it, not, it is not lawful for us to put anyone to death. Do you see how they're so quick to come to Pilate for a legal proceeding? But you know what? They already got their minds made up, right? This guy's going to die. They, they, didn't, they weren't here for justice to be carried out. They were here to execute an innocent man. That's how evil their hearts were. Verse 32, this was to fulfill the word that Jesus had spoken to show by what kind of death that he was going to die, that he was going to be lifted up, he was going to be crucified. See, God's hand, the sovereign hand, is behind all of this. And what Pilate's saying is, hey, you know, judging by your own law, I don't don't see the issue here. But because of the prophecies involved, and because of how these things took place, we see that clearly it was God's hand moving things along. And so Pilate is, is confused. He's confused over the sovereignty of Jesus. Is this guy really a king? Is he a sovereign king? He's also confused by Jesus' lack of communication with him. Verse 33 in in John 18, it says, So Pilate entered the headquarters again. He goes back in, he calls Jesus, and he says, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus says, Do you say this on your own accord? (laughs) Or did others say it to you about me? See, Jesus wants to know. Jesus is just following the rule of law. Are you accusing me of this, or is somebody else accusing me of this? It'd be like going into a courthouse and saying, the the judge saying, well, you know, have you been drinking tonight while you're driving? Well, are you accusing me of that, or is someone else telling you this information? Where are you getting your facts? Jesus answered, or verse 35, Pilate answered, am I a Jew? Look, look, don't get me involved in the religiosity of this thing. I could care less is what he's saying. He says, your own nation and chief priests have delivered you over to me. Now, tell me what you've done. Tell me what you've done. Verse 36, Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. So he doesn't deny being a king. But he says, you know what? I'm no threat to you. My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting. I wouldn't have just gave up. If I was trying to somehow overcome the Roman government and and really take over and kick you out, we would have been doing that. But that's not what we've been doing. Because I wouldn't have been delivered over to the Jews if I was interested in that. But he says, my kingdom is not, what, from the world. That principle alone, beloved, if we can hide that in our heart of hearts and understand that God's kingdom is not of this world. You know, I like a news good news program just like anybody else. And you know, you get, you know, you, you watch these conventions and you get tied in and you're going, whoa, this is you know, you, you just get kind of almost addicted to news. You know, and you have just the news cycle this year because the election's coming up, and wow, you got these two men, President Obama and and, and Romney, and they're gonna go head to head. It's kind of exciting. The you know, it's building up and it's like, whoa, who's gonna win? And yeah, I hear a lot of people, man, you know, if if this guy gets reelected, or if this guy doesn't win, oh man, it's all over. It's just, no, it's not. I already know who's going to win. It's the one who God is going to put in place of authority over us. Whoever that may be. That's who's going to win. Does that mean we don't go and vote? No, we go and we vote. We vote our conscience. We, We vote for the best candidate according to the biblical principles that we understand. But don't think that it all hangs on one president of, of one country. As great as this country is, don't get me wrong. But you know what? This isn't, has nothing, absolutely nothing to do with the kingdom of God. Nothing. We need to remember that. And I think that's where some of this confusion came for Pilate. And so he asked them again, Are you a king? If you're talking, you have a kingdom, I guess you are. And Jesus says, you say that I am a king? For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. And look at Pilate's response. What is truth? What is truth? John says, after he said this, he went back out, sighed to the Jews and told them, I find no guilt in him. You're saying this guy is going to overthrow my government? He looks pathetic. Remember, by this time, he's already been beaten up, slapped around a little bit, been spit upon. He didn't look like a threat to anybody. He wasn't in there saying, hey, I'm going to, you know, he wasn't doing that. He wasn't pointing fingers. He wasn't mouthing off. Just quietly, meekly standing there before the authority. Answering questions in a very humble way and yet truthful. And Pilate's in this quandary It says back in Matthew, it says, But when he was accused by the chief priests and the elders, he gave no answer. And Pilate can't believe it. Because Pilate's used to being in a court proceeding where, you know, the defendant is like, No, no, that's not me. I didn't do that. I'm not guilty of that. I want a defense. I want to defend myself. This guy's not saying anything. Jesus is not uttering a word. And it's causing for Pilate to, to kind of pause and say, Man, What's going on here? Don't you hear how many things they're testifying against you? But he gave no answer, it says. Not even to a single charge. So that the governor was greatly amazed. Well, verse 15 tells us that there was a custom that they had in their culture. And that custom would allow for basically the release of a prisoner anybody they wanted that person could be released now i want you to understand a little bit here of the situation because in the 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 roman rule here like i said these weren't very powerful men okay they they were just kind of a hireling and they were set to to kind of be a, a governor and usually when they are are made a government, they make a governor, they make a big hubbub about it and, and all this stuff, and they show all their power. And what Pilate did when he was first made governor, he rode into Jerusalem with all these soldiers, and all of his soldiers carried these metal eagles, and on the top of each eagle was a molded image of Caesar. Now, if you know anything about Jews, they don't like any graven image, so here comes Pilate with all these soldiers, with all these graven images, marches in, marching into their holy city. And the Jews believed them to be idols. And they didn't tolerate that kind of stuff. And so what they did is, in response to Pilate riding into Jerusalem, they rioted. And they demanded that he remove all these banners and all these graven images. And Pilate refused. And after he accomplished what he wanted in Jerusalem, he returned to Caesarea there. To the headquarters of his operation, and Jews followed him for five days, demanding that he remove all these graven images. But the Jews still persisted. He refused to do it. And finally, Pilate had to call a meeting with those Jews there in Caesarea, and he surrounded them all with soldiers, and he told them if they didn't stop with all their demands, that he'd cut off all their heads. So in other words, I'm tired of this silliness. I am the governor. If I want to have graven images there, I'm going to leave them there. And if you don't be quiet, I'm going to slice your heads off. And basically, what the Jews did is the Jews bent their necks back and said, go ahead. We're not going to put up with your graven images. They called his bluff is what they did. And so there was no way that Pilate could go through this with this ultimatum that he gave him. He couldn't report to Rome that he had massacred many defenseless Jews. That wouldn't go over well. That wouldn't add to the peace of the Roman government. It could have led to a national revolution. But he was there to keep the peace between the Romans and the Jews. That's what his purpose was. And so what he did, he had to remove all these images. And see, now the Jews were one up on Pilate. And later in his reign... He realized that there was a need for a better water supply in Jerusalem. So he decided to build an aqueduct and to bring in more water. And to do so, he ripped off the temple treasury. He took money out of their, their temple to do so. Money that was devoted to God, in their eyes, holy. And what, you guess what happened? The Jews rioted again. And he dealt with them by sending soldiers into this huge crowd of rioting Jews And at the signal, basically, they clubbed and they stabbed many of these Jews to death, which didn't go over well with Rome. And Pilate resided when he established his residence in Jerusalem. He made shields for his soldiers, and on the shields, he once again had engraven the likeness of Tiberius, the the emperor at the time. And that's a marker of a false god to a Jew. So they demanded that the shields be changed. The Jews did. Pilate refused. And the Jews reported Pilate's actions to Tiberius himself. And what came back from Pilate's supervisor, Tiberius, was to change the shields immediately. What are you doing? You're causing disruption for disruption's sake. I don't need this. And I tell you all that to to help you understand the predicament that Pilate finds himself here with Jesus the Christ. They bring him before him, and he knows why Jesus is there. In the hearts of the Jews, it was just envy. He had no doubt seen the ministry of Christ, the people that he's healed. He'd heard about it. I mean, clearly he's heard about it because to get an audience with Pilate, you had to have some kind of a correspondence with him. He couldn't just show up. So apparently they had already gone to Pilate and said, hey, this guy's causing disruption, Jesus the Christ, you know who he is. And they tried maybe this a couple times. Well, finally he gives them an audience and they don't have a charge to bring up. And so here's Pilate stuck between this innocent man, condemning this innocent man, or dealing with these rioting Jews, these Jewish leaders, who are saying, either you do what we say, or you know what we're going to do. We're going to go right back to Rome. We're going to cause a lot of problems for you. So when Pilate heard that the religious leaders said that Jesus first started his ministry in Galilee, that was his out. He said, hey, wait a minute. If this guy is from Galilee... I don't have any authority over him. I got to send him back to where he came from. So, around five o'clock in the morning, he sent him over to Herod Antibus, who was the ruler of Galilee. Pilate hoped that maybe he wouldn't come back. <laughs> hey, you deal with them. This is, this is beyond me. I don't want to cause another problem with Rome. I'll lose my job. I could lose my head. I don't want these Jews to get upset at me. And so, then, you know, the whole story, you, you see his time before. Herod Antipas, and Herod Antipas knew Jesus had a great ministry in Galilee. I mean, he was there. He literally removed all disease from Galilee when he was ministering there. Herod Antipas was the one who had John the Baptist beheaded. He was a very immoral and murderous man. And Jesus, for the most part, avoided him, didn't want to deal with him for obvious reasons. But he thought, you know what, Pilate said, hey, if I can... Get him out of my hair and get him over there. That's fine. So when Herod heard that he was finally going to have the opportunity to meet this Messiah, to meet Jesus, Luke 23, 8 says he was very happy to do so. Hey, I want to talk to this guy. I've heard a lot about this guy. He wanted to see Jesus perform a miracle. He He wanted to see him come in and kind of do a little circus act for him. That was his mentality. And Luke 23, 9 says, Then Herod questioned him in many words, but he answered him nothing. Nothing, not a word. Jesus owed nothing to Herod because Herod did not have the right to judge a man in Palestine. Pilate alone held that right. Pilate was just trying to get out of his responsibility. And he'd already pronounced his verdict. Remember, Pilate already said, I, I find no fault with them." That's like being in a court hearing when, when, the, when the judge says, dismissed, it's over. Jesus should have been let go at that point. But because of the people and everything, Pilate's going, I don't know what to do here. I'm going to send him over to Herod, let him deal with it. Because Herod already knew, he had heard the preaching of John the Baptist. He had heard everything that there was to hear about Jesus. Why didn't Jesus tell Herod about his kingdom like he did Pilate? Well, because he was already familiar with it. He already knew what his ministry was. He already knew what he was doing. So 23.10 of Luke says, The chief priests and the scribes stood and accused him, accused Christ, and Herod basically sat there and laughed at the whole thing. He looked at this guy was beaten up, spit upon all this stuff. He said, this guy? You're saying this guy's going to be an insurrectionist? This guy's a king? Yeah, right. And Christ stood before Herod with a face that had been beaten black and blue from blows that were delivered, no doubt, by the temple guard in the hearing before Caiaphas. I mean, he hardly looked like somebody that was going to overthrow the Roman government. In Luke 23, 11, Herod says this, Herod, the, the gospel says this, Herod with his men of war treated him with contempt. <laughs> it says they mocked him and they put a, a gorgeous robe on him, a bright white robe that was commonly worn by Jewish kings. But you know what? In the end, Herod found no fault with him, no accusation there, couldn't do anything about it.
0: Well, thank you for spending time with us here today on Graceful Truth, the ministry of Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. It's our prayer here at Graceful Truth that God would reveal His grace to your hearts through the teaching of His Word each week. And we trust you're currently involved in a Bible teaching church in your area. If not, we'd love to have you come and visit us here at Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. We meet each Sunday morning for our praise and worship service at 10 a.m., We offer nursery care and Sunday school classes for our children up to grade 5. And if you would like to encourage us here at Graceful Truth, please give us a call at Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. Our phone number is 650-366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. We meet at 2225 Euclid Avenue here in Redwood City. Directions are on our website, gracefultruth.org, or again, simply call 650-366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. And again, we'd love to have you join us for worship. Simply call for directions or go to our website, gracefultruth.org. While you're at our website, make sure to check out the resource materials available from us here at Graceful Truth, including past programs of Graceful Truth that you can download for free. GracefulTruth.org is where to go. And again, our phone number is 650-366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. We thank you for spending time with us today and trust we'll see you next week at this same time for another broadcast of Graceful Truth with Pastor Steve Converse.